Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Mustard Tiger here with Jimmy Searfoss. And, and Jimmy, this is not a fair weather podcast. I, I got up at four o'clock to fly back from Minnesota this morning. I know you've got a lot on your plate and it would have been easy just to say, you know, let's scrap the plan to do this podcast because it's really depressing. But I mentioned on last week's show, this is kind of a therapy session and, and maybe it will help some CU fans out there just to kind of hear us hash over some of these topics. I don't know, but we're going to, we're going to keep doing this podcast through the darkest of times with CU football. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about what I was going to say today. I spent a lot of time on the golf course today because I, you know, scheduled uh, just nine and I realized I outscored Colorado today. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good, yeah, I, I was pretty proud of myself for that. Um, but that was a really rough game overall. We knew it was going to be bad going in, but man, that might have been up there with some of the worst p- football performances I've ever seen. Really, that was just a struggle to watch. Not hitting 100 yards of total offense till the fourth quarter. Come on. I thought just everything from the very beginning was very bad. Just Shroud fumbling off the <laughs> off the bat again. Who would have thought that, you know, that would happen again? I figured just because the first time was just with the elements going on, but this time was just, it looked really rough. Um, We definitely saw it in the players too. I saw a lot of players uh, just kind of hang their heads a little bit. We saw Brendan Lewis, I like make that uh, fumble later on in the game too. Uh, That one went out of bounds, didn't really hurt him, but I think that was just kind of an icing or the cherry on top of this just rough performance all around. It just kind of shows we really don't have a quarterback at the moment. I thought the tackling was atrocious today or uh, on during the game. I thought the tackling was just so many holes that people that could have gotten behind the line just would rattle off 20, 30 yard uh, runs. It was, it was a rough go all around. Yeah, there's been rough seasons with CU football. Last year, four and eight, a lot of five and sevens in there. And uh, Mike McIntyre had a th- a three-win season in there, a four-win season. But it, it really does go back all the way to 2012 when they ranked last in the entire country in scoring margin to where I would go to cover a game and know going in that I'm covering a blowout loss today. Just, just knowing it deep in my soul that this is not a Colorado team that can compete out there. They've been blown out in other games since then, obviously, but – Going into the game, having that much of a defeatist attitude, as I would like to say, a level-headed reporter that tries to kind of find the silver lining in situations, it, it's just not there right now. I mean, the first play of the game, a 19-yard game from Ibrahim, and you just you just knew that CU was not going to be competitive in this football game. And yes, there's some winnable games on, on the schedule coming up, but even some of those that maybe we thought were going to be somewhat winnable, you know, are, are not looking like that anymore. You, you've got a UCLA team that needs a last second field goal to beat South Alabama. And they come in here three touchdown favorites. And the reaction from everybody to that is that's not enough points. I mean, th- that's how bad it's gotten Jim. Yeah. It's, it's really rough. And I like, I like you um, looking at the schedule. I had a few wins pulled out. Uh, just in that Pac-12 conference games, I didn't really think that this team would win anything, you know, out of the uh, non-conference games wise. But like I had Cal as a potential win for us. 
And then we saw Cal hang with Notre Dame. <laughs> so it's just slowly just fading away. Everything that seems uh, within reach, slowly going outside of reach. I think UCA obviously has their issues, um, but Colorado just has so many more. Yeah. I mean, you look at Washington, first year head coach, and they beat Michigan State. Uh, you've got Arizona that's gotten better. Oregon State's got things going. I mean, it's so you you can say that okay, with the new landscape of college football, with NIL and the transfer portal, and some of the challenges that CU faces from uh, in terms of getting transfers in with with the requirements there. Yes, there are challenges there, but you're seeing other programs that don't even have the resources that CU does. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of those programs like Washington does, but you know, look in Oregon state, you know, there, there's no excuse for CU to be as bad as they've become. And really since that four and start to the Carl Durrell tenure, it's, it's been going downhill since then. It's, I guess we should have seen this coming. You know, I will take some, some blame for, you know, sipping on that Kool-Aid a little bit. I, I did like some of the staff changes that Jarrell made. And I still, you know, like some of those guys that he brought in. I think Phil McGagan is, is a good coach. I think Rod Chance is a really good corners coach. So, but just in general, you know, I, I guess I need to apologize a little bit for expecting this team to be better than they are. Yeah. I, I also would like to, I mean, I, it's worth noting that that four and eight season uh, or the, that what was it the first COVID year, 2020? Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, pretty much Mel Tucker's team uh, in my eyes. That was, you know, a uh, runoff of what he had built. So I feel like, you know, there's a lot of coaches that went in and could have done that. I like some of the coaching uh, hires that he's made. Uh, like uh, Coach Phil, I really think that he is a good coach. I really believe in things that he tells me and uh, things that he's saying to the team. But it's nothing is seems to be, you know, giving this team any kind of spark. It's really it's hard to watch. Yeah. We'll go through some notes here and then we'll we'll really dive into the negativity here because you just can't avoid it at this point at this point. But in, in terms of some player notes, uh, tight end Caleb Fourier, safety Jeremy Mack and running back Deion Smith all made their first career start for the Buffaloes on Saturday kind of overshadowed in the blowout loss is the fact that Deion Smith played a, a pretty good game. And, and I know some of those were kind of chunk plays when maybe, you know, Minnesota wasn't exactly attacking the same way they were early in the game, but he still had a career high 70 yards on 10 carries. So th that's a solid seven yard average. I'm going to play an audio clip here of Deion Smith, and then we can react afterward. I'm kind of at a loss for words right now. Um, I don't really know how to digest this or kind of process this. Because, I mean, I feel like we talked during the week, but, you know, just we were just focusing on doing the small things, right, you know, to make those big improvements. But <clears throat> the frustration comes in whenever we get out here on game day and it doesn't quite happen the way it goes, the way we wanted to. And even on top of that, it's just not a good showing, you know, just because the scoreboard doesn't represent the type of team that we have, which, I mean, I know that's easy to say, but, I mean, I, that's something that we all know in our hearts and even in our work ethic, so... You said you're kind of at a loss for it. Is it just kind of a rhythm thing offensively that you guys aren't able to get into? Yeah, honestly, pretty much. Because, you know, like I feel like we all just sit down and watch Saturday football, you know, just 
disconnected from our personal lives and everything, but just watching Saturday football, you see these offenses going down the field and scoring and moving the ball and getting in rhythm. And I feel like the biggest thing for us is we have all of these good plays. We have all of this. Sometimes we might get into rhythm, but I feel like it's super hard just to get going. And that's where we struggled at. And it's the second week in a row for us just starting off with a, with a negative play on offense. And it's really hurting us. That was Deion Smith after Colorado's 48-7 to loss at Minnesota. And, Jimmy, the thing that, that stuck out there was when Deion talked about watching other college teams and, and how their offenses move the football, and it's just so hard for them, as he mentioned there. And this is, in my opinion, partly the problem when you go to a multiple scheme with college athletes and you have only so many hours to work with them. When you try to do too much, it makes it too complicated. Now, on the flip side of that, from what we heard, Darren Cheverini's offense was too rudimentary and too easy to game plan for. There's got to be a middle ground in there that you can achieve. I just there's no identity for this offense whatsoever. I agree. And especially at that midpoint in the game when they're flipping quarterbacks left and right. You know, Uh, I think he's looking at this and saying it's so hard to see what we're doing compared to what other kids are doing. And I feel like a lot of other players have to be feeling that same way. And that is how we develop a transfer portal situation that we saw in the last year. It's, it's a bad look that we're getting attention uh, like that from our own athletes who that kind of shows that they're not really bought into what they're putting out on the field and what they're doing on the field. And I don't blame them that we haven't put out pretty much anything on the field. Alex Fontenot was sidelined in this game. Walk on Charlie offered all another bright spot. He went for 55 yards on eight carries accounted for five first downs linebacker, Isaac Hurtado walk on offensive lineman, Ben Resnick and quarterback Owen McCown all saw their first action with the buffs. And I'm going to play some audio here from Carl Jarrell. He talks a little bit about not being able to find answers uh, at this point, but also we asked him a little bit about the quarterback situation. I mentioned rotating quarterbacks was kind of the plan coming in. Was there any concern that it would be tough for either of those guys to, to get in a rhythm? I felt it was going to give them a chance to get in rhythm. To be honest with you, that's how practices have been. You know, So we, we gave both of them chances. Uh, both of them did a few good things here and there. But never really, nothing really just put it together in a series. And that was the unfortunate thing. Our best series was, in, the, as you saw, in the fourth quarter. We get one long scare series and we score. But that's too long, too little, too late. Uh, we need that efficiency in the first quarter. So we, we have a lot of work to do. We do. Just got a ton of work to do. I know it was against backups. Did you see enough out of Owen that he might be in that running to start? That's something to consider. You know, that is something to consider. When you're in the position we're in right now, we're 0-3. Uh, we have to find something that's going to give us a spark. So we're going to turn every corner, every turnover, every stone to try to figure out as a staff what can give us a spark that we need. But anything and everything is in, is in front of us right now. Does it seem like Owen might be ready for this challenge, or is it hard to say until he... It's hard to say because he only had a handful of snaps. But, you know, he, he operated okay. You know, he did what he was supposed to do. If he has pressure and you don't feel anybody's open, he used, used his legs. He, he hit a couple passes. So he did some really positive things. So he engineered a chance to, you know, to get a score right there. We just ran out of time. But uh, I was encouraged by that, but we'll see. We'll just have to see when we go back in tonight and tomorrow and, and have a, this discussion with the staff as to what we need to do moving forward. 
Carl, you were so confident before the season this team was going to be better than people expected. And even like this week, you said, we're going to be able to play better. How surprised are you that this team has sort of regressed from what you thought they were going to be? It's, it's surprising. But, you know, part of it is we, we have to continue as coaches to stress the fundamentals, the factors that are important for us to be successful. Uh, sometimes it takes a little longer than, than my expectations. And evidently that is the case right now. But we got to continue to work, uh, continue to coach them well to get them to improve and play better football. Does it get more challenging as the losses mount to make sure that everybody's still kind of moving in the same direction? I didn't feel any quit out there. I don't know if you guys saw that. I didn't see that at all. So I feel good about our attitude about playing the game. We're just not very good at really playing it effectively and proficiently. That's where we have to be better. With the offensive line, Jake didn't play the first half. Was that a team thing, or was that just kind of a change you guys decided to make? It was a change. Just a change. Just trying to figure out if, if Casey was the better tackle, which Casey did a, did a pretty good job out there. But then we had some issues inside, and then we moved Casey back inside and put Jake out there. So at this point, are you feeling heat for your job, you know, not getting this done at this point? Are you feeling some heat? That you're no, I'm more frustrated with the players because I know that they want it, but they we just don't know how. We don't know the how yet. So we just got to keep pushing the envelope to keep those guys moving forward about finding the how. That was Carl Durrell after Saturday's game at Minnesota. Jimmy, he said it there. They, they they can't figure it out right now, and they're going to keep trying to figure it out. But when you have a head coach three games into the season as lost for answers as that, it, it makes it hard to think that there's any possibility that this thing is going to get fixed this season. I completely agree. I saw that, and I also saw Carl Durrell just looking lost. I think one of the most important things that he said in that press conference was just, wow, if you weren't expecting that. What were you expecting? <laughs> no one, I mean, everyone was expecting that pretty much in this game. Uh, it seems like he's drinking his own Kool-Aid a little bit. Um, regarding the quarterback situation, I don't see Owen McCown getting a whole lot of like starting nods or anything. I Like uh, I saw in your interview, I think Brian said that he thinks that maybe Kent McCown would, should take some reps with the against the number one defense uh, before, you know, even getting considered for that role. But it, it is just a massive question mark, and it would be nice if Darrell would have some more confidence in his own game plan to where he's sticking with one quarterback. Because at this point, I don't think anybody's going to be upset if one quarterback starts over the other. Uh, we haven't really seen anything from anyone. So if he just has a game plan and you know says, we're going to roll with this guy until we can, I would be okay with that. Um, I think... Honestly, just from watching, I feel like Lewis in there has the offense believing in him a little more. I think he has the team under control a little more. Granted, he didn't really do much, um, but he looks a little more comfortable at that quarterback position to me right now. Um, I would probably give him a nod. Yeah, there's not a great answer here like you alluded to. You've got a lot more scholarship quarterbacks this year, but no one that deserves to be a starting quarterback for a Power 5 program. And that's just the bottom line. And, and I mentioned this in the analysis video. Hopefully folks got a chance to check that out. Brian and I try to be as honest as we could with the situation with this team right now. Um, and it wasn't, I try not to do the reacting when hindsight's 2020, because it's, it's always easy to criticize things, you know, when it's clear what the right decision would have been. But 
when they went with Shroud, and yeah, he fumbled the ball, whatever, but it was clear their plan going into the game was to rotate those guys, and even Darrell seemed to confirm that after the game. That is the worst strategy when you are are trying to find a quarterback. You know, getting your reps in, yeah, that's like every sport. (laughs) You know, Uh, you do what you can to get hot. You can't get a rhythm if you don't have anything to build a rhythm off of. Yeah. Jarrell's response to that was, well, that's what they've been doing in practice already. And then, uh, again, mentioning the analysis video Brian and I did, Brian said, well, then you need to change how you practice. Uh, (laughs) Because we're now going into the fourth game of the season. That's not how you manage that position at this level. I would also like to know, I mean – McCown did make some good throws at the end. I think that he does deserve some recognition for that. Um, but for I, I, it was nice seeing a, someone in Colorado uniform making a throw that was more than just a check down. Um, yeah. But I also want to you know keep people uh, aware that you know Brendan Lewis's first showing in against Texas was also you know him storming down the field mm-hmm. and you know scoring a touchdown. It, it's nice to see. But I wouldn't buy anything into, you know, too, too uh, new into this season. With B. Lou, we've seen with the Alamo Bowl and then half of this last game. So what is that? About 14 games he's played at this level. Mm-hmm. He's not a starting quarterback at, at this level. But I would rather them start him and roll with him through a whole game than do what they did at Minnesota. Yeah, I agree. I would rather they go with JT Shroud for a whole game than do what they did <laughs> yeah. on Saturday. I'd rather they put Owen McCown in there for a whole game rather than what they did on Saturday. I'd rather them put Drew Carter in the yeah. game for a whole game rather than what they did on Saturday. And we've harped <laughs> it. We harped it multiple times. You know, you cannot play when you consistently have to look older over your shoulder. It's not a good way to build up confidence, especially when you are struggling this much to get anything going. Yeah. I mean, maybe you want to go with Owen McCown because I, I, I think he's the most talented quarterback on the roster. And he wasn't an early enrollee, but because of that pedigree with his dad and his knowledge of the game, he picked things up really quickly. Now, that was Minnesota basically ready to celebrate a big win and move on. You know, they, they weren't pinning the ears yeah. back. And he did you know, make a few mistakes. I was actually getting down to the field at that point for post game. So I didn't see all that. I need to go back and watch that. I know that I saw his last couple of throws and those were beautiful. One of them, yeah. uh, Austin Smith should have caught that, that was dropped. Yeah. It's tough to see just cause um, you know, JT Shroud has the arm to get something done, but I really don't feel like when they run the offense, they don't run it to his, to his talents. You know, we're still making these five yard throws a lot. I, I mean, he's got this, he doesn't have time to either just step up into the pocket and make a good throw. I guess the offensive line, you know, rolls out, causes him to roll out a lot. He got sacked two, three times that game. He's getting beat up. And I mean, no one's really giving him any help. Uh, not to mention, I mean, not to mention he's really not helping himself in any kind of way. I think Van Wells is going to be a really good player. And I don't think Jake Wiley is a starting caliber offensive lineman at this level. So again, there's no easy answer what to do on the offensive line, but Van Wells, yeah, the two false starts, those hurt both of those drives. And, and it's hard to blame him. He's a true freshman. He shouldn't be out there right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and we, those true freshmen look like it out there, too. Owen McCown's <laughs> strutting out there, and he, he looks small. He yeah, looks small. Yeah. 
a positive, you know, we'll, we'll try to go back to a few notes here just to <laughs> keep this from being uh, to, to we don't want to make anybody suicidal out there. Everybody <laughs> hang in there. Uh, we'll get through this together. Uh, Eric Olson had his first career catch against the Gophers and then fellow redshirt freshman tight end Austin Smith. I mentioned that he had a couple drops there, but uh, a beautiful touchdown catch. That was a nice grab by him and effort to get into the end zone. That, that was a nice little flash there. Uh, we heard that Daniel Graham, obviously uh, an all-time CU great at, at the tight end position, went out to a practice this preseason and was watching the tight ends at CU. And he saw Austin Smith and pointed to him and said, that's a, a future NFL guy right there. So mm-hmm. this is a kid that wasn't able to play tight end in high school because his school was so small in Texas that they couldn't afford him to get hurt by playing in the trenches. So he played <laughs> receiver, but He's really raw and he's got a bright future. So that, w- that was a good glimpse for him in, in that game. Yeah, I think uh, that catch was really impressive. I yeah. don't think it should have been needed to be that impressive. I think that that was a bad throw that he had to make a really athletic catch on. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from the guy. It was, it was a good catch. But, yeah, it kind of shows how desperate this team is for anything. When you got pretty much high school offense out there, uh, just doing their best. It's, it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. You mentioned this earlier. 0-3 was a, a possibility for this team going into the season, given the difficulty of their non-conference slate. But I, I would think even the most pessimistic observers of CU football couldn't have projected it to be quite as ugly as it's been. I'm going to rattle off a few things here, Jimmy. Following non-conference play, Colorado ranks 124th out of 131 FBS programs in scoring offense. That's second worst among Power 5 programs, only ahead of Virginia. They're 117th in scoring defense. That's second worst among Power 5 programs, only ahead of North Carolina, which is undefeated because the Tar Heels have a top five scoring offense early on this season. CU is 125th in scoring margin, second worst among Power 5 programs, only ahead of Georgia Tech. They're dead last out of 131 FBS programs in rushing defense. That's a little bit, I don't want to say to be expected to be dead last, but you know, going against Air Force in Minnesota, that was they're going to be probably a little bit lower on that, even if they were playing up to optimist expectations, but still dead last out of 131 FBS programs. They're 126th in yards per passing attempt. They're 89th in punting average. And CU's net punting average is 29.4 yards right now. They had a 39.5 net punting average last year. So that's about a 10-yard difference right there. And I know it's three games. It's a true freshman punter. Maybe he'll get better, but uh, I would expect that position to probably struggle throughout the season. That, that that was pretty ugly, that one punt on Saturday. I would say that, you know, the past defense has gone largely untested. But, you know, Tanner Morgan, he's from the outside looking in, especially from a CU perspective, it, it looks like he's a pretty solid quarterback. But I know Gopher fans have actually been pretty darn critical of him. He goes up against CU, completes 69% of his passes for three touchdowns. He did throw with that one pick that was picked off by Isaiah Lewis. But, I mean, they're they're even making quarterbacks that the fan base is kind of frustrated with not living up to their potential and, and making them look good. So, From a CU say, perspective, Tanner Morgan looks like a dang Heisman contender. <laughs> yeah. I will say Mohamed Ibrahim, I mean, He's just flat out legit. He's he's going to go for a lot of yards against a lot of teams. 
202 in, in three touchdowns is more than you should give up to any back. But that, that's one guy that I will say it's going to be really, really hard for anybody in the country to slow him down. Uh, he, he is coming off uh, an Achilles surgery, which is a tough injury to come back from. But th- that dude's one of the better running backs in the country. Yeah, he's, he's very talented and very good. It showed. Uh, he definitely was tearing up the defense. Uh, I think eventually they, you know, second quarter went a little better for him. But these defensive stats, they're, they're tough to, for me to read because I there was a point in the game, we were about 20 minutes into the game. I, it was like second quarter, I think. And, uh, yeah, we played about 20 minutes of football, and the ESPN analyst came on. I think she said, see if them see his defense been on the field for seven, 17 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's just, those guys are gassed. They just are consistently just having to work their tails off to even, you know, keep it within reach for half of this game. It, it, so all these, they, they, the stats make sense and stuff, but it's just not telling that story. Just our offense is that bad and it hurts our defense in so many ways. So UCLA is up next in Folsom field, a, a noon kickoff. I mentioned earlier they need a last-second field goal to beat South Alabama. They, they haven't been tested against a Power 5 team. So if CU had shown anything non-conference-wise, I would have said, you know, actually I think I could see Colorado pulling off the upset here because this isn't a very good UCLA team. I could see them I think, going through a coaching change at the end of the year. Yeah, this is definitely their most winnable game yet, I feel like. Uh, see, they're coming up here to Folsom, right? Um, I know UCLA in the past has struggled at Folsom field, uh, just with just being up here. Um, I, they did have some issues against that team. It's, it's pretty, you know, that defense, uh, they got torn up on the ground. So I think maybe that's something that we could work towards, uh, Deion Smith, maybe gaining some momentum from the last game. I say, give them a start this game. Uh, why not really see so yeah, depending on how fun now is. Um, I think that's something that they struggle with. Ideally, if they can keep it close, it's they did not open as any kind of favorite. Uh, but if we can keep it, you know, within 14. Yeah, I don't know. Did I ask you this earlier? What would you, who would you start a quarterback this week? Would you give Owen McCown a full week of practice? Are you not ready to write off Shrout or Belou at this point? I'm not. I'm not writing off Shrout or Belou. I just. I, I'm more worried about McCown getting hurt. Really, um, I want to see him get some work in more with the ones uh, just before we start. Uh, you know, jump putting him in places. I want to see that maybe a little further down in, uh, to, into the season before him getting any starts. Um, I don't know if we still can have expectations of having any kind of successful season at this point to where we can say we're still trying to hold on to this. Maybe we're throwing him in. Um, I think I would, I think I'd rather see Lewis out there to start it just because I think he looks more comfortable right now. You know, Shroud just looks super uncomfortable in the box or in the, you know, taking snaps for me right now. Um, I don't want to see them switch off again. though. <laughs> I just, if you're going to run with Lewis, just run with Lewis. Did you think after the TCU game you'd ever say that again that you want? Brandon I really didn't. I really didn't. And it's tough because like that coming into that game, clearly that team had some kind of element of confidence to it and spark in it. And that first half of that game, we saw what they could do. You know, they were putting they were being productive in some kind of way on offense. But 
die. <laughs> you know, that confidence is gone. There's no confidence. I don't see it in any of the players. I don't see how they're gaining that spark back at any time. Yeah, I kind of don't have a solid answer. I, I really felt like they should have given JT Shroud the full Minnesota game. Um, that didn't happen at this point. I'm with you. Whatever decision you make, you you decide that today or tomorrow and you go into Tuesday and Wednesday's practice and one quarterback is getting all of the reps against the scout team. I, yeah, I get. I mean, that's the problem too is, yeah, we're talking about Owen McCown getting reps against the first team defense. Well, you're going to have to put them on scout team and then you're running what the other team's doing. So there's really no way to prep Owen McCown. Yeah, in any way. So he's going to just have to get game reps, I guess, because um, you, your your opportunity to do that was during camp. And I, and I get why they didn't do that, because you really had higher expectations for, for Brennan Lewis and, and JT Shroud. So uh, I, I guess it just can't be an ideal situation for Owen McCown if you are going to play him this year. Um, from a reporter standpoint, I guess I would go with Owen McCown for the simple fact that it would be <laughs> – something to write about and follow and, and be fun to kind of chart during that game. I agree. That would be a heck of a story. Uh, you know, him having any kind of success would be a really fun story, but I guess that's true. I, I hadn't really thought about him cutting in with reps with, you know, a quarterback staff that's already getting their reps cut because, you know, there's multiple people vying for that, you know, running with the ones and things like that. So I don't, it's such a, terrible problem to have that should have been solved before the season started. Any, any reasons for optimism? I, I liked what we saw to guy Thomas a little bit on Saturday. Yeah. That was kind of, kind of what we expected from him. Now it was, I would kind of criticize CU's pass rush because it hasn't been good, but you talk about air force, that whole game, you're not really going to be able to pass rush And Minnesota's more of a, a ground team as well. So that's one area it, if you can start to get more of a pass rush here as you go against more traditional teams going forward, uh, I wouldn't completely say that they they are not going to be good in that area because we just haven't had a big enough sample size there. So maybe a guy Thomas gets things going there. Um, Terrence Lang, I I love the kid. Brandon to his mom before the opener, lovely lady. I just don't think he's ever going to put it together at CU. So I, I'm done setting expectations for him. But there are some key pieces there that. You know, their pass rush could be okay, you know, especially again if Guy Thomas plays like he did on Saturday going forward. Yeah, uh, Chandler Samito had that sack too. That was a that was kind of nice to see. I do like what Guy Thomas was doing that game. I remember you talking to him during the media day. That guy is he's a big kid, <laughs> um, but I like what he was doing that but back there. You know, while he what he could. <laughs> it was weird because R.J. Sneeds had his reps limited because he's coming back from that foot injury but then they put him back there as the punt returner it's like if he's good enough for that job like this kid came here because he's trying to make have an opportunity at the nfl and he's going to need reps for that it's, it's an outside chance receiver such a hard position to get drafted because there's so many talented guys that come out every year i mean we paul richardson had some nice moments in the nfl coming out of cu but he was an absolute stud at cu Mm -hmm. And he, he hasn't been a star in the NFL. LaVisca Chenault has had some nice moments in the NFL, but he hasn't really found his way, you know, yet quite in the NFL. And that's a guy that was just a superstar. So it's going to be really tough for RJ Sneed to make in the NFL. But uh, at some point, you got to you got to let him test that foot a little bit. I, I, I should, maybe I'm talking out of turn here. 
would imagine that medical staff's on top of all this stuff and they know better than me, but um, that would be maybe another reason for optimism. Like that flea flicker play where Brady Russell actually had separation on that play, but he's not a slow guy, but he's not also not the guy you, you run that play for, you run that play for RJ Sneed. And it's, it makes me question them bringing him back so early. Um, It makes me wonder how bad that injury was to maybe they're just suiting him up more of just a threat for someone to keep it like prepare for that, you know, maybe they don't have to. Uh, And we expected him to have more productivity this last week. And um, he didn't (laughs) at all. I mean, I, I don't even know. Did he have a target? I, I you know can't think off the top of my head, but yeah, rough rough choice for him if he's looking to you know hop into the NFL. He must have seen something uh, regarding our quarterback situation, you know, because I don't know if we threw for more than thirty five yards. <laughs> Twenty one games in the Carl Durrell tenure. Is it fair for him to be on the hot seat? I think I know the answer to this, but it's completely fair. It is. It's. It's the most fair thing. It's a, it's one thing to get blown out and consistently and lose these games. It's another to do it and not have any direction and any kind of confidence in yourself that you can change things around. A, we're not seeing anything that says that this guy has any control over what's going on on the field. Yeah. When he was hired, I had UCLA – two writers that covered him there explain exactly how this was going to play out and it's played out exactly how they said it would. And I wanted to kind of go, well, you know, you guys were frustrated with him because that was the peak of the Pete Carroll era in USC. And so you're comparing him to what USC was doing in their glory days. And that's not really fair to Carl Drill. He took him to five bowl games in five years. He was the PAC 12 coach of the year in his third year. But I mean, I gotta, I gotta concede that those guys were right that that it really has played out this way. And I, I, there's part of me that understands why he was the choice when he was because of the the timing of everything. Um, but one thing that Rick George really messed up royally there was was the contract. And I think we'll get into that. again. I traveled really early back to Colorado today. I've got a bunch of stuff to do today, and I really want to dive into the Rick George stuff and. It will be even more clear, I think, after the UCLA game, kind of where this is headed with Carl Durrell. Uh, Is it trending towards a midseason firing? We've seen some great movies with underdog stories. For Carl Durrell to turn it around this season and keep his job, even given how much they owe him still, I mean, this this would be an underdog story for the ages. I feel like. Uh, It would win an Oscar. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I was thinking about this a lot. I would, I think, uh, I'm like, I struggle with his name. Phil McGowan, McGagan, Phil McGagan. Phil McGagan. Uh, yep. It's a tough one. Even, even his players call him coach Phil. So, uh, don't yeah, feel bad yeah. about that. I think he'd make a great interim coach. <laughs> if that would call for it. Uh, I, I, you know, I was really impressed. You know, he came here early in the season as a receivers coach and, you know, has already gotten promoted, gotten that promotion to the assistant. I think that says something um, regarding uh, what the players believe in and what they're, uh, what he, you know, does during practice and things like that. And we haven't really gotten to see much of the receivers um, so far into this 
season, but if, you know, we need some time or we need someone to step up, if there is a situation where he would have to, Darrell would have to leave, I think he would be a great choice uh, for that time period. Fans want that done right now, right? But Brian and I were talking about this after the game on Saturday, and I agree with what Brian said, is if you're going to do that, the timing to do that would be after the Arizona game because you have a bye week. And if you lose to UCLA and you lose to Arizona and things are as hopeless then as they are right now, Bill McGigan, at the very least, would inject some energy into the situation. And it would it put would, something. Yeah, it would it, put something into it, something to get excited about. Maybe this will turn around a little bit. Uh, I mean, even we've seen teams do terribly and then, you know, build something, you know, later on. We saw Arizona do that. They had a terrible year last year and they are they had a great recruiting class. Uh, they had they took, you know, what, the number one quarterback in Colorado. Yeah, I think we couldn't, you know, we couldn't just take the number one quarterback car and went to Arizona, another Pac-12 program. We need to see some kind of something to get excited about so we can have some hope for the future. What does not have folks excited is the statement that went out by Athletic Director Rick George shortly before we started recording here. Uh, it's probably going to get some people's blood boiling to read this, but uh, I'm just going to do it so that for the few folks that aren't aware of this statement, then they become aware of it. This is from Rick George. It reads, Dear Buffalo supporters, like all of you, I have been disappointed to watch our football team struggle this fall, most recently yesterday at Minnesota. I know that our coaches and our student athletes are capable of so much more and that all of you deserve better results. I want you to know that I hear you. I recognize and understand your disappointment and frustration and perhaps even anger. We have not come close to meeting our expectations this season, and we own that. I know that Coach Durrell, our coaching and support staff, and our student-athletes are working hard to get us on track, and with conference play starting this Saturday, we hope, we all hope we'll enjoy a home victory over UCLA. Regardless of your feelings right now on Colorado football, I encourage you to continue to support our tremendous football student-athletes who need your cheers, encouragement, and support now more than ever. Go Buffs. The sentiment there is good, Jimmy. But I agree with a lot of these comments I'm seeing in my notifications that it would have been just better off for him not to put out a statement at this point. What do you think? I think that <laughs> that kind of perfectly sums up everything. Uh, it's like, sorry about that. Please buy a ticket. Thumbs up. That's what I got from that. Uh, I don't really see any re any need to come out and say anything like that. Everyone knows what, uh, you know, the fans are expecting right now. They want Rick George gone and they want Carl Durrell gone. That's what they see as the heart of the issue here. So when you see an announcement of something posted by Rick George, you're expecting something productive, not other, not, we know this season has gone terribly. Please buy your ticket for the UCLA game. It's kind of a slap in the face, really, if you think about it, to uh, Buffalo fans. And it's it's making it's almost insult it's almost insulting, really. I know uh, a lot of people still planned on you know attending that UCLA game just because it was something to do on a Saturday uh, on a Saturday. But why? 
especially when nothing sounds like it's going to get done, you know, for, as of right now. There are a lot of awesome kids on that team that have worked their tails off and on that level. Yeah. They deserve support, but you can't shame CU fans into promote uh, to supporting this team right now. The, the fans that are still around and care, um, they deserve a gold star, Jimmy. I mean, it, they, they deserve more than a gold star. So I don't think that statement is going to sell any tickets. In fact, it might turn off a few people just because they're even more pissed off now, even though yeah. nothing in there is like something that you should get upset about, but it's just, it's just conjuring up more negativity as a result of it, you know? Um, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm pretty much just speechless at this point, you know, coming into this, podcast you know you have so much to say but also just it all comes down to just this is a mess this is a mess. where's where's anybody down this much negativity it's just it's it's not healthy for anybody's <laughs> mental state but uh like i said we're not we're not a fair weather podcast we're this is gonna be <laughs> a shorter show because uh our youngest has challenged me to a game of battleship and, and jimmy i've lost the last three <laughs> just just like the Buffaloes need a W, I need a battleship W tonight. And so I got to really put all my focus into that instead of uh, there's a lot of layers with the Rick George part of things and, and kind of the frustration there that I really want to get into. But uh, I don't have the mental stamina right now. And, and I, what little mental stamina I do have, I've got to think, am I going C8 on this attack here? Where, where am I going? <laughs> You know, it's it's getting to a point, you know, some of these Buff fans on Twitter are going to the Regents. I don't know if you've seen that. They're going and DMing Regents, potential Regents, asking like, hey, what do you think about football? <laughs> like, just seeing what they can get out of it. It's yeah, it's a mess. But I'm going with B5. That's what that would be my that's B5, my starter. First move. B5 okay. is <laughs> just don't celebrate too hard, you know, <laughs> if you take that victory. It's depressing times for Colorado. If they come out and upset UCLA, then maybe we're having a different conversation, but I still don't really think it fixes the bigger picture, no matter what happens on the field next Saturday, but it would be nice for one Sunday to have more positive things to talk about than notes about guys making their first appearance for CU rather than records being broken for a game. I mean, it's just Dave Platty does a great job with his post-game notes and it's like, there's just bare bones even in there. There's just only so much you can pull from this team right now. You went golfing today. Uh, how are you swinging it out there? You know, uh, okay. Just okay. That course that I was playing is nice and straight. I learned. So pretty much all, there's nothing too difficult out there. But like I said, you know, on my best day, I'm probably still outscoring Colorado. <laughs> so. Well, Jimmy, good uh, catching up with you. And uh, we tried our best here with, with low energy covering uh, the worst Power <laughs> 5 program in the country. Well, all right, Jimmy. Nice well, it was good catch up with you. And uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Uh, we will uh, stay strong. I'll be out at Carl Durrell's press conference on Monday. I don't know who really wants to get reports from that, but uh, got to keep going forward, pushing forward. And uh, we'll be back with a new podcast next week, recapping their conference opener against UCLA.